following program is a production of PMA Magazine. Hello. Welcome to Season 1 of the PMA Podcast. This is our first official full season, and we're super psyched to be back at it. In case you're new here, and if you are, welcome. PMA stands for Positive Mental Attitude, and we focus on positive news about tremendous people doing great things for their community or the world. PMA started as a print magazine in 2019, and you can learn more about us and our mission at our website, getthatpma.com. That's where you can get access to this podcast, check out our print magazine, and support us by picking up a t-shirt or some of our other merchandise. 100% of your money goes back into the magazine and helps us keep doing this, so we really appreciate it. Now to catch you up, Last season was called Season Zero because it was really a pilot to see if we could even pull off a podcast, an opportunity for us to learn about the process and see if anyone would even listen if we made one. It turns out that a lot of people gave us a shot and we got some great feedback. What you should expect this season is an expanded offering of behind-the-scenes conversations that go beyond what's printed in the magazine. You'll also hear some unique episodes that we felt wouldn't work as well in print but feel right at home in the podcast format. But overall, we think that the PMA podcast will bring to life some of the things we're hearing that you love about the print magazine, and also give you an opportunity to access a little PMA when reading a physical magazine just isn't in the cards. Please let us know how we're doing, and by all means, make sure you leave us a review on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. It really does help, and we'd love to hear from you. Now with that out of the way, Let's get right into our first episode of Season 1. Season 1, Episode 1, Lance Mercer. Americans fancy the role of survivor. Despite living in a time and place of unparalleled security and convenience, we love bragging of having survived psoriasis, a 90-minute de-icing on the tarmac at O'Hare, or a carnival cruise. Still, some dudes have been through more shit than others and photographer Lance Mercer is tangled with some king-hell adversaries and emerged not only intact, but often stronger, wiser, or more complete. A native of Seattle, Mercer grew up BG. That's before grunge. When a young man could still ride a skateboard in the rain without feeling the weight of the Seattle years upon him. The Al Dante Hardcore Raging Grounds of the University District, for Seattleites that's the Ave, provided a fitting backdrop for the young Mercer's maturation, an intoxicating combination of independence, JFA, and intoxicants, leading to an early exit from Seattle Public Schools. Fuck it. Lance Mercer had a camera. Thrown a life preserver by an intuitive instructor in the community college photography department, Mercer is set to work familiarizing himself with the tools that would populate his professional belt. 35mm Tri-X film, sodium hydroxide, and a Pentax K1000 given to him by his father. Some guys arm themselves with guitars. Some women wield a mighty pen. Other folks always just seem to be holding. Lance Mercer's path to the stage was that camera. He'd become Lance the Photographer Dude in the humid basement shows of the Ave, and by 1991 was freelancing with some success. The rest is certifiably documentable. It's hard to flip through a record bin anywhere on earth without seeing a Lance Mercer image, and downright impossible if the bin card reads Seattle. 
The administration of the Holy Sacrament that is a live rock and roll event is manifest so authentically in Mercer's work because he was not only there, but indeed fully present. He was involved. He was drunk and stoned and sweaty and breathless, just like the crowds and the bands, fully engaged in a subject that he could not possibly have captured so eloquently otherwise. Lance Mercer has emerged from addiction and even cancer and is eyeing life post-plague just like the rest of us. In the summer of 2019, solo camping trips replaced world tours, and you are now more likely to find him meditating than tippling. But the empathy and connection that has made Lance Mercer such a revered visual interpreter for 30 years is evident in his current work in documentary filmmaking and in a series of photos of cancer survivors captured during a road trip across this failing nation. Survivors, after all, he ought to know. So, okay, so do you, uh, going all the way back, do you remember your earliest memory? Yeah. Okay, what was it? It's heavy. Uh, you okay about talking yeah. about? Okay. Yeah, we got robbed at gunpoint up on Capitol Hill when I was three. Okay. I remember everything about it. You're, will you say we? Yeah, my parents and me. We got held hostage. Held hostage in your own home? Mm -hmm. So it was a home invasion? Yeah, but it's it has different levels to what it was. My mom was dealing uh, hash or weed or whatever, but... Um, my parents were pretty active in the anti-war movement. My dad was a activist at the UW, like shutting down I-5 kind of activist, hippie person. But we also had people at our house that were part of um, the, do you know who the Weathered Underground? Have you yeah. heard of? Yeah. yeah. They wow. were, they, there were some of those people hanging out and uh, my uncle dated one of them and uh, showing films in our basement, like commie films, you know, yeah. like anti-war, Viet Cong wow. stuff. And uh, I say that because my dad was pretty convinced the FBI was watching us. So the robbery was suspect because they held us hostage, but did a lot more than just look for the weed and money. They were digging around, we were upstairs, and uh, yeah, it was scary. I remember all of it. So, and we moved to Europe promptly after that. Holy shit. Your memory of that? Yeah. Is it visual? Oh yeah. Totally. Like you have, like describe describe an image that you have of, of Guy that. standing at the t dining room table holding a gun, uh, and me thinking, that he had a toy gun. And then I also remember us three being held hostage at gunpoint. Okay, so definitely visual memory. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm very, like, my dreams, everything, I'm a total visual person. But, like, what, you know, what did your parents do? They were hippies. <laughs> okay. They literally, they worked at the post office. Um, <clears throat> I'll try and keep it brief. I, born and raised in Seattle, Grew up in Rainier Valley, went to all the alternative schools, you know. <laughs> I was basically skateboarding punk. I mean, from the time, like, the first show I went to was Black Flag at Danceland when I was 13, downtown. So, punk rock, skateboarding was a early, like, pivotal, transformative part of my life. My parents... I mean, they were young when they had me, so, you know, I was able to go and pretty much do whatever I wanted from an early age. 
which included, you know, drugs and alcohol and all that, everything that goes along with that. But music, bands, punk rock especially, at that time in mm -hmm. Seattle, small scene, you know, we all knew each other. It's the kind of the common story you hear about that, you know, like, it's when a leather jacket was significant, you know, like right. a motorcycle leather jacket. My, I'll never forget, my parents got me uh, the punker boots and the jacket on my 15th birthday, um, so I had the uniform, you know? Yep. Um, but it is a big part of also how I discovered photography and how it made it possible for me to do... I mean, I started getting interested in photography at the same time. Was that your first creative pursuit? Did you do music yes. before that or anything? No. Nope. Okay. No, because... Going to shows had such an impact on my life and it was like, you know, whatever, lack of identity, running around with a gang of dudes trying to figure yourself out. That music and those shows gave me a place that I felt, you know, narrowed in. It just tapped into me right away. So with that, I would study those records and those bands. I'd, I would spend my money at Cellophane Square on records. Like my beer money or my food money for the weekend usually got spent on Friday at Cellophane Square. And and it's going to sound cliche, but the clashes, you know, the Ramones, the Clash, London Calling, the photos went along with the music. Right. Like I'm like, well, I can do this. I don't have to be Ansel Adams to be able to take photos. You know what I mean? Yep. When when you say photography, people just immediately went to like Ansel Adams. Sure, and sure. All. So that led me when I started just like with music like okay I don't need to be a pro musician to be able to play in a band the three chord and a guitar start a band kind of theory applied yeah. to me with photography and the photos were horrible so uh, that sense of belonging um, that punk rock was providing to you at the time did having a camera in your hand make you feel like you belonged more yeah so that it allowed me to get up closer uh, and to be a part rather than to be on the peripheral, for sure. But that, but that feeling was was gradual. It wasn't like instant. Sure. So obviously you're like improving your skills, and and um, that's part of the pursuit, probably the core part of the pursuit. But then there's also this belonging piece. Did um, did people treat you differently because you had the camera or did you notice that you were starting to like kind of increase your status and stature within the community because of your photography? That happened later when I really got serious about it. I mean, I started photo school when I was, when I was 17. I didn't graduate high school. I jumped right into Seattle Central photo program early on. That was my out because I had a teacher at the school. I was just going to, I was destitute to be just another dropout skate punk kid. And he asked me what I wanted to do, and I said photography. And he, we built a darkroom, and and that darkroom is still there. But cool. that kept me physically at school, and I bring that up because you know then he's the one that helped me get into Seattle Central. So the identifier of like Lance the photographer started happening because you got to remember this is during a time where being a photographer also required you knew how to process film and make yeah. prints, and you knew what that process was. It wasn't like it is now. So I started bringing photos to bands that I had taken, even if it was the U-Men or whatever. And then people started identifying me with that and like, oh, Lance photographer, not, and so it wasn't so much like, Lance isn't a great photographer, but Lance is a photographer. Photographers are often sort of perceived as like observers, which 
by nature is a passive role. Tell somebody who doesn't, who isn't a photographer, who isn't a master observer, who isn't like, hasn't spent their whole life like learning how to be observational in an artistic, creative way, what you think are active parts of being a photographer. You're not just sitting back waiting for something to happen. No. Like what are, the, what are some of the active things that you do as an observer to go above and beyond just being passive and, and capturing them? Um, that's a very great question. Sometimes it's a matter of simple as just looking at it from a different angle. So I see photos. There's a, if you talk to any photographer, they'll say the same thing. And it's probably with any job that you do over a period of time, it plays out in other parts of your life. Like as a photographer, I see photos constantly, daily, all the time. Right. You know? Right. It's a composition. It's a... It's a you mean just through your head? Like, just yeah, through, yeah. You're framing it up all the time. All the time. If I'm driving, yeah. just it's always there. Click, click, click. Okay. Um, but it can be human uh, moments where people are doing something, like... A, the way they're whatever you know so yes observing is yep. part of that without realizing it yeah my thing is we're used to seeing things from a certain perspective standing up sitting down but from yep. our eye level yep. so without realizing it the observation becomes from a different perspective so different than what we see so like i tell people well look at it from the floor or look at it from up above or look at it from you know, go on your hands and, you know, bend your knees. That's kind of thing. Like, I wouldn't let people use their camera straps because that's this movement. Yeah. yeah. So take your camera strap off and free yourself up to look at it. So this is just too common. And it's great. You might be able to get a great picture, but yeah. it's going to be what we're used to seeing. So some of my favorite music photo photos that I've done are yeah. typically from, and it goes also from a different if you're an audience member, you're seeing a band yeah. like this. Well, what if the photo is from a different... So subconsciously, I think you're like, oh, that's... I never get to see it yeah, that yeah, way. Yeah. yeah, cool. So your work has often been to capture moments as they happen. Yes. Instead of studio work that can be very controllable. Um, even though I'm sure you've done that too. Yes. But I like the, the stuff that people probably know you the best for is like, you know, the kind of action as it's happening. Right. Um, what do you think the role of photographer is when it comes to interpreting those moments through the lens and then composing them, finishing them? Do you feel a responsibility to present those moments in a certain way? Is there some sort of a directive or an ethos or a responsibility that you feel when you're doing your work? When it comes to presenting yes. those moments? That's a great question too. Well. Man, it all, I know exactly what you're talking about. It goes back to the punk rock, um, to going to shows and trying to have that same feeling looking at the photos that you did when you were there. So ideally you're taking all of your emotional stimuli that you've had and to do it justice, maybe it's not a good feeling, maybe it's a bad feeling, whatever, but I think every artist has that somehow. But with photography, you gotta be, it's, it has to be quick. So yes, I think what makes somebody a professional is where they're able to collaborate with if it's a job do you know what i mean yep. and you have all these different people involved and they all have different ideas and feelings and you're trying to encompass so your job is to take all of that and be so yeah you know so that when they look at it they're like oh i relate to that 
exactly. You captured my experience. Therefore, yeah, I'm going to keep paying you to keep capturing my experience. Sure. Sometimes it's not even something we can identify. Right. It's just a feeling that you get. Good art doesn't necessarily always... No, but I, I think that your success relies greatly on your ability to tune in to what the people you're working with also relate to and then so you can continue to produce that sure. response. Yeah. So does that... Um, it could be one photo. Sure, sure. And it could be... A, and it. I mean, more times than not, I've spent times that, like, let's say it's a band. I'm just observing them yeah. for before shooting them. Yeah. Because it's like, well, what... You know, I'm not going to take a band like the Presidents or some... Their music... There's layers of it. So there's the music. It's like, I'm not, they're not deep and brooding or whatever, but right. hopefully you've done it enough that you can convey that naturally or instinctually without it being forced. Sure. And that's it. Right. right. So, right. And, and I come down to one photo. Like I can say that there's a shot of Chris Cornell body surfing and it, maybe that took the whole tour to convey that one, that one photo says what that was like for me, that whole month of being on tour at Lollapalooza yeah. comes down to that one moment. You can't see his face, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just a... Is that something that you were chasing after because you experienced it and then you're like, okay, like your own experience sort of sets the bar and the target. And then you're like, okay, now I have to, through my lens, I need to go and I need to match my own experience with my photography skills so that when I see that photo... I can basically match that with the feeling that I had and then get I, it to the same level? Ideally, I mean, I could sit here and say, yeah, that's all. I don't think there is as much thought. Um, no, but it might, it might equate it to just, just becomes, you knowing that's, okay, exactly, that, I got it. Exactly. I got it. People that make their what they're doing look easy, are that, that's usually the sign that they're good at what they do. There's not this, right. you know, I'm not sitting down thinking this through beforehand. <laughs> right, sure. Uh, I w but I'm not that, you know, smart. Yeah. But no, you're right. There is, uh, I and you just start assuming that everybody's got it. But you realize when like teaching or something, not everybody has. Mm -hmm. There's, yeah, like looking at things from a different perspective and all that. But you're absolutely right. Like, and that all goes back to coming back and being. That's why I say I'm still chasing that. Like I can count how many times I can still get that feeling with a photo. It's only happened a few times, which is weird. Considering and how many photos I've taken, but are those typically the ones that other people connect with as well? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, which is weird because they didn't have that initial experience. They didn't no. have your experience. Um, so it validates your mind. Yeah. But, but it could, it might. You know, there's artists that do it, and and the feeling is not good. It's a negative feeling. But that's, you know, we go see movies that sometimes yep. don't make us feel good. So. So you've developed these like superhuman observational skills. <laughs> um, Thank you. So what like what superpowers, you know, have you developed by being such an active observer? Like, do you notice things that other people don't? Um, can you predict what's going to happen sometimes because you've been observing so long? Are there things that you feel like have byproducts of this experience that just make you different than other people from an observational standpoint. Man, that's, that's awesome. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to have somebody else point that out to me, maybe. Maybe. Because, I mean, I think, 
you know, I think about your process, and I, I mean, I take, I'm a bad photographer, but like, mm. you know, I think like, if you're taking photos of a band or whatever, you're watching, you're you're trying to like kind of figure out patterns. You yeah. know, the, the math side of your brain is kind of working and going like, okay, and then okay, he did that one thing. Now I'm gonna like wait for him to do it again, but this time I gotta get my timing right, so I gotta know it's coming. I saw it the first time. Hopefully, he does it again. Oh, here he comes. You know, like you're you're sort of putting patterns together and sort of weaving this totally. tapestry of like yeah probability so that you can like get it right. Does that do you feel like that's translated into your daily life? Like it probably is without me realizing it. Yeah, I think it is. Like like I said, I there's the other part of it where I can see photos when I'm driving, see photos when I'm driving or. Um, Man, to be honest, I've never stepped back and looked at any of those things. But I, I developed this, and just within the shooting, um, of not looking through the camera, not trusting my eyes, trusting my instincts. So, like a lot of the photos, well, it came from just wanting that extra reach. So I use my arm and go across stage before even autofocus. I did used to do this thing with the tape measure so I could kind of figure out distances and so I could guess the distance with my lens and use the numbers actually on the lens so I could go, okay, that's about this. But all this has to be really, like, really quick, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a lot of times... So you're in times... the pit with the tape measure, like... <laughs> right. That's awesome. <laughs> but, like, getting people jumping, you know? Yep. We have five moves and variations of those moves when we play guitar or whoever is playing. So... And then this is when they're going to jump and this is when... So yeah, there is a constant, you know, getting people in midair, decisive moment thing where I'm like... But I really, I've taught things where not to trust your eyes. Like, go out and shoot from the hip and see what happens. You yeah. know, like, start developing that skill. Uh, well, and these days, it's like everybody, like, taking the photo and then looking at it at, at the screen. Man, it drives me crazy because I do it too. I went yeah. to uh, Nepal with... Uh, like a hundred year old it is it's a hundred year old camera and uh it's film but all the kids so i'd shoot photos i i shot other cameras too but they wanted to see the back of it and it's just a leather box yeah, yeah. so it was confusing so it there's no language because they're just these little yeah. kids up in the himalayas whatever you know but yeah. they're like they're all crowding around and i'm like yeah there's nothing there so so here you are you're observing you're maybe you're forming patterns, you're analyzing, you're, you're like your computer brain is going and like just trying to help you get uh, be successful and create great images. Are you looking for feelings in your subjects? Can you sense that or, or are you using empathy to try to tap into the feelings of the subject that you're taking photos of? Man, that's so hard. That's like so on like that's like next level shit, right? Like I would I could say yeah, of course I'm trying to, but that requires trust and vulnerability, and I want that, yes. But um, and it's why I have other things that I do with photography, you know, um, with people that I know where I can, I have ideas of that, so that comes across. It can be cliche. There's a fine line of that. Sure. You know, think about your mom right. kind of thing. Um, but like, you can't do that but, when they're on stage. But like, maybe... Um, no, but I do portraits too. Or right. like, you know, there's... I know what you're getting at. Like, can you... like? Okay, so you're on tour and 
you get to know these people and maybe you witnessed something earlier in the day where you're just like, there was like a phone call and then they were really upset after the phone call. You don't even know what the phone call was about, but then the show's in an hour. Are you like thinking about that and going like tonight that, that song about that sad song or whatever is going to be extra sad tonight or he just seems pissed tonight in general. Yeah. And so then you're like, okay, I'm going to make sure that I shoot during these songs because that's where the pissed thing is really going to reflect well in the image. Yes. That's happened. Yes. I've noticed that. Yeah. Uh, for sure. I've seen things before and after that have lent themselves to, do you feel like you're a good sense of like when pe- people's yes. moods? Yeah, but that's never helped me uh, from. <laughs> right, sure. sure. <laughs> you know, it's. <laughs> yeah. I haven't used it wisely, let's put it that way. <laughs> like, <laughs> knowing when to back off or that's to awesome. be quiet. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I, you know, again, like, I, now I'm probably going to be a little thinking about this even a little bit more. Like, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Sure. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so let's um, let's like let's embody all of this and try to like come to some point of understanding here. So Okay. Someone said that a great portrait conveys the soul of the people in the portrait. Ideally, yeah. Um like, like your photos of Sean Smith are a great example of that, I feel like. Thank you. Yeah. Um so what what role does your empathy play and and assuming by empathy I mean all of these sensory inputs that you you've developed over time what what role does empathy play in your ability to you know hopefully capture somebody's soul in that photo uh you hope all of it without forcing it or realizing it i mean what role does it play i think well you said trust earlier yeah like if there's a connection and there's if there's trust there's a connection and i mean there's artists photographers that go through all kinds of steps to put stuff away and make it easier to have that connection if you're shooting people you know they where they sit how they interact whatever most of the time it's been um and i'm talking about you know more like portrait type stuff rather than live stuff but most time it's you're just you know it's a band suit there's they're putting up their guard and you know they want to look cool or whatever so there's a visual persona of who they are as as a band person but there's times where again i can count on the hand where that's all been pushed away and there's just something that's connected and dialed in without but man i i don't know what Mm. i did if anything to make that happen or um well it's just one of those magic things that happens you know like i I think of, I did a portrait of Jimi Hendrix's dad and it's not like we knew each other. I was there with a writer, but I shot four frames and I, but I got, I got in really close and we had, you know, and I kind of settled and then I shot four frames and I got something that I really, there's a sadness in his eyes that was just inherent that he trusted me to getting so have you ever have you ever had to document something that you yes. felt icky about yes and, yes. and well it's so you just it's there now you knew what i was going to ask you which is i think goes back to what we were talking about earlier so yeah. you have developed these skills maybe like you were witnessing something 
regrettable or you were somehow exploiting the moment in some way? You don't have to tell me what the yeah. moment is, but no, 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 totally. There's times where I have not, where I could have made a lot of money on some photos and I didn't. I chose not to because it's just not who I am, and yeah. I felt like a sense of. In fact, somebody was nudging me to shoot something that just would have, no, I, and then there's, uh, it even carries over into music to having, you know, when I was, things were cruising, there's a lot of bands happening that were a little more cookie cutter or, yep. you know, and I didn't I remember that get off on the, <laughs> yep. on the music, but I had to document it and the photos aren't that good. I can just, it's obvious. I'm just like, eh, I wasn't inspired. Yeah. Uh, one I was on tour with and they were just a clone of other bands happening and it was all fake. You could feel it, you know? Yep. Um, but yeah, there's been a couple of things that I totally remember because I know exactly that were would have been very exploitive. It also happens. Um, and I, I sympathize with like Charles Peterson more, but when any of these people have passed away there's a line right. of like how much of this do I you feel weird man yeah. you're like this is I have the photos so one part of it is that you want the best representation to go out thinking that that person would want that too or is it weird me making money off of this thing you know like and then do I censor who gets it and who doesn't yeah yeah dude tough. all that shit comes up I was out of town when Kurt died and I'm I don't have any I got like one photo of Kurt, but Charles had to sure. deal with all that. And I, I mean, with Chris and there's been, yeah. cause you hear them passing and then the very next thing is like getting calls or it's just, yeah, it can be fucking weird. Man. Yeah. 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 So, uh, sorry about that. Um, yeah. in this town, especially, um, yeah, some... dude, there's only one person left. It's really. crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Do you often find yourself looking at a stack of print magazines that you've purchased with the intention of reading them, but never seem to get around to cracking them open? You're not alone. You may be suffering from PMAD, Print Magazine Aspirational Disorder. PMAD affects one out of every three aspirational readers and does not discriminate by race, gender, sexual orientation, or whether or not you are a dog or cat person. Aspire no more. Our patented solution will rid you of that unsightly stack of unread magazines once and for all. It's called Sit Your Ass Down. All you need is a little Sit Your Ass Down, and you'll find those magazines will practically read themselves. You'll be amazed at how Sit Your Ass Down will magically conjure up a luxurious cup of tea, a perspective you've never had before, or even an inspirational thought you'll feel compelled to write down for later use. Before you know it, sit your ass down will turn pensive moments of wondering what stupid chore you need to do next into relaxing me time you will start looking forward to every single day. Next time you feel stressed, overwhelmed, or just too busy to appreciate life, reach for one of those magazines you bought and sit your ass down. You deserve it. Sit your ass down is not for sale. You already own sit your ass down. Side effects may include lower heart rate, uncontrollable smiling, elevated moods, and a sense of accomplishment. Sit your ass down may be habit forming. Please be responsible and recycle any discarded print media that results from the use of sit your ass down. Or better yet, give it to someone else who needs to sit their ass down. This public service announcement has been brought to you by the friends of PMAD and by chairs. Tired of standing? 
try chairs. And now back to our interview with photographer Lance Mercer. Okay, let's zoom out. So we were talking about engagement and presence and passive and active observation as a photographer. Now let's talk just about like your life experience. Um, so you talked about this a little bit, like how you just, if you're in the street, you're seeing photos. Yes. Um, does that translate into like a sense of hypervigilance? Is there any stress related with that? No. No, it hasn't transferred over into anxiety. Um, those skill skill sets, whatever they are, yeah. have definitely, not only have I had them for most of my life, even before I was like, I'm going to be a photographer. Yeah. Like, I think I've always been just kind of a more observant, for sure. It sounds like, um, it, as a youth, oh, it was part of like survival tactics. Yeah. And now that I'm, you're bringing this up. People come to me for interviews of from those days, punk rock shows and stuff. I can remember what people have said, what they were wearing, where, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I might be foggy on the dates, but as far as like, like, yeah. like I was, man, that was just like, and it sounds to me like this thread connects all the way back to when you were a kid and you're just be alone and super young and having to basically like just survive. There's like man with a gun in your kitchen when you're three years old. And so for the rest of your life, you're just like, yep. I better just watch my back. <laughs> yeah. And if I don't, there's nobody there to, to fucking back me up sure. half the time. Yeah, we could get, we could get. And that translate, but that translated into like a wonderful career for you because like you, your heightened sense of awareness and your ability to notice things actually made it possible for you to capture them and yeah pass those images on and translate those into feelings for other people which... I, I won't argue with you on that so when um like shutting off or having to just kind of chill out yes you know you've worked very closely with some notorious escapists some people who have escaped permanently yeah right i feel what you're laying down so yeah. so what role does escapism play in your life and do you have to use it or do you use it as a tool to sort of get yourself sanity or clarity or... and regenerate or whatever? Yeah. yeah. Um, again, that that's different throughout my life. It's played different. There's been different things that I've utilized to do that. But uh, so the escapism today, you know, is I can... I can uh, do it pretty quickly and easily through meditation. Um, some breaths, I can do it anywhere. I don't have to be in a controlled environment for that to be the case, but they're definitely, I mean, we could spend hours and I've gone through plenty of therapy of, you know, from an early age of what that looked like for me uh, through drugs and alcohol or mm -hmm. whatever, you know what I mean? Like, but I knew, I knew early on that they were, that I liked them. Yep. You know, that I was like, oh, this is, I know this, you know, yeah, this is a good feeling. So, you know, it played out in either insecurities, giving myself fake, false sense of confidence or false sense of mm -hmm. something. Uh, and then it played out later into just completely zoning out and blocking out everything. Right. And like, so it sounds like there's a spectrum there of like, there is helpful escapism and and destructive escapism. Sure. What about, let's just pick some examples. Because the, they're the obvious ones we don't even need to talk about. Yeah. Like, but what about, let's just use an interesting one. What about your photography? So like somebody who escapes into these images. Right. Um, 
to imagine that they were there or to imagine that they are closer to these people who they revere in such high regard or like you're enabling escapism for these people on some level. Yeah. And I've had that same thing. Sure. I mean, that's positive, right? It, it can be for sure. Like they were my, you know, Joe Strummer, the list is endless, you know, um, Jim Carroll, all kinds of people that spoke to me when I was not wanting to, you know, when I felt like shit or whatever, and I could go in my room and play music loud, and they were, they were singing about my life or whatever. We all have that. I mean, that's how why music is yeah. beautiful and can have that. Um, so ultimately, yeah, I hope that my photos can have that same impact with somebody's life, uh, because photography, I will tell you. It is my escapism in the sense, in a positive way, I can always rely on my craft being there for me. To be solid, confident, and I've used it for that. You know, when shit's fucking crazy in my world, I can, I can be like, oh, I have this. I mean, dude, this would not have happened. Lance just pulled out a copy of his book, Five by One which is a retrospective of his work with Pearl Jam, and the Jeff he is about to refer to is Jeff Ament from Pearl Jam. Without somebody reminding me of that, and it was Jeff. Uh, I just quit the briefs, which had been my life, for, yep. and I, was, I had relapsed. I was in a bad way. I was going through a divorce. I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do with my life. I had not taken a photo in six years. So... All of a sudden, I had every my life had been turned upside down. I, you know, things were fucked up. Yeah. And I had coffee with Jeff, and he was like, "You should take all those photos that you got, dude, and just do a book." And he gave me some sound advice about how to approach the band about it. Like, don't do, don't talk to the band about it until it's already done. Pretty much, like, do a mock up. Don't give us too much to think about. And he was right. And so I spent the next year in the dark room, literally, printing just going through shit and working with my buddy Regan and um, awesome. and then this came out of it. So I'm super proud of it because it represents like a lot of other shit besides just a bunch of photos between two covers, you know? Yeah. Um, and now being sick, whatever, like I can, whenever I've felt things kind of being out of control or whatever, I can always rely on my work providing some sort of stability not necessarily financial, but uh, yeah, man, as far as the, the ultimate escapes with, well, not the ultimate, but I, I've come close. I mean, I've had my moments where like, you know, fuck it, just, you know, check out yeah. as much as I can. And it's a spiral, dude. I mean, my brain is such that like once that there's then then pride and shame starts taking over and it's just yeah. this, you know, yeah. I need somebody to fucking grab me by the back of the collar and pull me out. Yep. That's kind of how that works. Yeah. So. I think we all do at some level, right? Oh, um, absolutely. We just don't know it when it's happening. Um, turning the lens around, right? So right. Um, Father's Day 2014, you're diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's follicular lymphoma. Is it okay to talk about that? Totally. Okay. So your daughter, I think, related that moment because she was there as sort of an out-of-body experience. Yeah. That's not uncommon. People often say that about receiving news like that. I had the same out-of-body experience, too. Do you have a visual image in your memory 
of that moment like you do of when getting robbed as oh, a child? Yeah, absolutely. Is that visual image through your own eyes or is it from another third? Oh, that's a good question. I paced around this poor woman in the office that told me she thought I had lung cancer. She told me I had lung cancer. So it was a misdiagnosis on the nurse's part because I was a country doctor. So I remember everything slowing down, like her voice, like Charlie Brown type stuff. But mm -hmm. I, I remember, yeah, I, I see it from a, me yelling at her, walking around okay. and yelling at her. You know, there's, it. yeah, it's fucking mind-blowing, dude. It's life-changing because of the physicality. But I will tell you that, yeah, there's nothing like getting diagnosed to put you in the present moment. You know, <laughs> like, plus, I joke about it, like, chemo brain's a real thing. Like, I still suffer from chemo brain, and it's going to take a while before that's gone. But, so, having a shitty memory also puts you in the present moment. Did you ever feel an impulse to, like, do what you do? Like, document Fuck. the oh. document this uh, I did. I process? Did. I did the whole thing. Photos? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and bad, what... bad and good. The camera is not a barrier to your experience. No. Right? No. Whereas with the phones today, it is for a lot of people. It's actually robbing them yeah. of the experience. And I notice when that happens with me, which is detriment, like it, it bothers me because of what you just said. Because I, I, I don't fuck around with my photography. Like it's who I am. So as soon as that's compromised in any sort of way, like... That's, you know. Right. You're not who you are anymore. Which, yeah. That's, like, not, that's not cool. So so here, here's just a concept. I feel like some people are like inward looking people and some people are outward looking people. Right. And to use a very simple metaphor, it's like inward looking people are very self-aware. Like, like I don't I don't have a really good view, no matter how hard I try in my mind of what I look like. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Like, I just, I can't, I couldn't draw myself. If right. you say, like, here, draw yourself, it wouldn't look, I, and that doesn't mean, that has nothing to do with the fact that I'm not a good artist. Um, no, no, I love that. Um, whereas, I think, there are people who take selfies all day, who probably really know what they look like. They probably have a, they could draw a perfect picture, right? Yeah. Do you think photographers are just, like, naturally, outwardly looking people? Like, where do you sit on that scale? Man, that's an interesting question. Yeah, I think, for obvious reasons, yes, uh... Surprisingly, I'm not a, a big fan of getting my photo taken. I mean, for obvious reasons, again, just because I like being on the other side of the lens. Um, but I will take pictures of myself, yes. That's not um, unusual, though. I think most photographers, you don't want to be... Like, I've... Yeah. I'm, that's my experience. Is yeah. It? Yeah, it's it's pretty normal. Um, I think... I think... Uh, man, fuck. Different experiences have really, like, throughout my life, have really changed a lot of those things to accumulate, like, going through, you know, mortality or questioning, like, all those things have priorities shift and change, and I think I'm some of both of that, you know? And, and I'll tell you why. It's because I've learned the best remedy for getting fucking caught up in my shit and pessimistic speculation. That's kind of my latest term. Uh... That's my next magazine, by the way. <laughs> you know, it's the catastrophic syndrome. It's like, like, not very often do we speculate on positive things. It's never right. like, God, that, that could be amazing. Yeah. You know? Right. It's usually the other way around. Yeah. Uh, like, what if, and then what if, but it's never like, what if it's fucking great? Yeah. Like, yeah. we don't, yeah, it's yeah. not instinctual. 
Um, it, I, I don't know. I try to be optimistic. Like well, that. yeah, we try, yeah. and and I love. I I try for sure, but um, I'm more like that for other people than I am for myself. So I like, just notice it more in other people, but same. Yeah. yeah, people are bitching about something. I'll try to like flip it and go like help them see it the other another way. But I don't do that favor to myself. Right, same. Yeah. I'm it's totally the same. So the best remedy for any of this shit getting caught up in my head is to help somebody else. That's it, man. Like yeah. it always works. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be grand gestures, uh, but you know doing something nice for somebody every day and not telling anybody about it, that whole adage, like, comes into mind. Uh, as much as I fight that sometimes, like, it always works. Hey, what's up? How are you, man? No, let's talk about you. Because, you know, yeah. I'm sure you can imagine being the identifier of being a cancer patient or a survivor is big, and I don't want that to be my identifier. So, and yeah. it's just something that's easier. How are you feeling? Like, people want to know and help. So switching that around into like, what do you, what's, let's talk about you or whatever it is. Yeah. Could be fucking saying hi to somebody out in the street. Yeah. It's just, I've noticed that that's helped a lot. So, so the last question to wrap it all up. So does this awareness that no moment is promised to us and, you know, time is fleeting and all these things, does this somehow give the act of capturing the moments that we do have more or less important? Man. Uh, fuck. I've thought about that a lot. I was hoping that it's a great question and a valid one. Like, it makes sense that, you, like, the work would change or that it would uh, carry some deep significance. You know, like, I've, I've thought about that. Uh, but again, it gets back to, like, it's kind of out of my hands. You ask me all these questions about stuff, which I can answer, but because uh, I think I've had the experience enough to be able to answer them and ob observe the process more so than when you're first starting out and you're just so I thought about that I was like oh this is gonna I'm gonna like have this amazing body of work or I'm gonna do these new portraits of significance uh, or something's gonna happen and turn and I don't know but it's reminded me that I don't have control over when and where and what that could be so from that question, I think it, I had this idea of doing portraits of cancer survivors that I've, it's been festering for the last year. Driving part of my road trip would be to get hooked up with different survivors and do portraits or testimonials or something. Not because of wanting to get like, to carry over my experience into the work, but, uh, at least give it an opportunity to something to be able to do that, like an outlet to be able, like I have it in me and I want to be able to, it's almost like I want to pay it back, like, because my work has provided some stability through all of this. So mm -hmm. it's almost like I want to be able to, you know, there's something there. I don't know what it is, but because I haven't really shot anything since all this has happened. Hmm. I mean, I kind of have, but right. like there's, there's, there's stages in my life that I can go, uh, you know, what I have done is gone back into all the stuff from the Ave on the eighties and dug that up. That's cool. Which I swore I wouldn't, you know, that was like, I don't look back on those time at that at, with fondness. Like right. it was like fucking, I had to go, I had to spend some time on the couch with that one. So, but that was a reminder of like how far I've come. Yeah. 
And all those people are like, dude, we know you got those photos, you know. And I'm like, yeah, fuck you. I'm not gonna get into them yet. Yeah. So I, so I'm work. So I dug those up, and I'm kind of like, okay. So maybe that's part of it too, you know. Yeah. Well, I think it's so. It's like, the 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 crux of the question is, you know, in this sort of temporal playground, the there's the act of capturing and documenting these events, moments in time. It's 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 valuable. It has value. Then yeah. there's the act of putting the camera down and just full on experiencing those events in time. Also very valuable. Now through the lens of I've had this life changing moment that's really, really taught me, man, time is fleeting, it's limited, experiences of the utmost importance. And my life is defined by my experiences. Yeah. But we don't know when that will happen. Where does those two things play like play out? As somebody who spent most of his life doing this thing, right? Like because you're in a very you are, have a very unique perspective. I know. And and I would like to think that they're man, I don't fucking know the answer to that question. I'm almost like I almost don't want to know the answer to that question. <laughs> because who am I to dictate when that could happen and when not? Like, look, man, I... I uh, what? I, Wait, what? It's not, it's not that you are... Are you saying like... I'm saying at this moment now that you're at with all the experiences okay. that you've had, Okay. what's, what's more... I mean, it's like, it's kind of a bullshit question because I'm asking you to basically like compare two things, which is like, it's the, there's no perfect dichotomy. There's no like, it's not like one's going to be better than the other. But, no, I get that. But, you know, capturing moments, documenting them, making them consumable by other people versus experiencing them yourself, just putting the camera down and just go in with your face all oh. the way. Knowing that now knowing about sort of having a more sort of visceral awareness of your own mortality of all of our mortalities right it's like it's like it's it's like the metaphysical equivalent of like man i wish i just put my camera down and just experienced that that one yeah. time you have a unique perspective on that because you're saying like actually like i worked through all that i i feel like i experienced those things with with or without the camera would have been the same right and i think like not everybody has that capability um but there's a perception that people are robbing themselves of their own experiences because they're sticking their camera phones in front of their faces. And so when we're talking about presence and we're talking about the importance of being present for your family, for people you love, for things that are important in your life, yeah, versus taking a photo of those things so that they can be captured and, and so that your ancestors can experience them emotionally, all these things that we talked about people getting out of your photos. Yeah. Like, what's more important? What, what, like, how would you make that choice today? If it was like this incredible moment, you could only take a photo of it or you could only experience it with yourself, what would you pick? I'd probably pick the experience. Okay, yeah. that's the answer. It's a crazy uh, question. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And, and it's just my first answer. I, I could analyze it. I could say because everybody else is taking pictures of it. You know what I or mean? Or what's the event? Yeah, yeah. Am I on the list? <laughs> well, yeah. I just and and maybe it has to do with my road trip that I took, where I got to really spend some time with myself. You know, like it wasn't about documenting it; it was about really just 
spending time with myself. It took like two weeks to get used to that. I was kind of out of my mind a little bit, yeah. but in the best way possible, of course. Um, yeah, that's a great question. Are you asking everybody that question? Mm. Oh, okay. Um, Not, I don't care about what everybody says. Because about. I only the, care about how you feel about that. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, there's different parts to photography than just capturing the moment. That's a perfect example of it. You know what I mean? There's like, what are the... What are the things that I can do to um, incorporate my senses? It gets back to that because photography isn't for me. Isn't just about capturing the moment. Right. It, it's not just about the photo. It's there's all these we've touched that you already know what they are. You've touched that you were asking about that. Like it, it involves all those things. So maybe you know. So it's not just like oh, I'm just going to enjoy this moment. There's still shit happening in my fucking head. Right that are having to do with photography because I'm I'm taking a mental picture of it. I'm smelling it. I'm touching it. You know, all those things. Like, I could say that I want to go fishing and, you know, fishing could be the same. I'm having to apply the same things into fishing. Like, what do the fish eat? What do they... <laughs> do they like to smell? They like to look. Right. I mean, there's... So I notice that when I go, like... They don't like being... Right. right. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, like there's different aspects of it that are always involving my photography. Every time I fucking go out the door, my photography is playing a part in my life, like one way or the other. Right. Whether it's an idea or like, I don't still know. I don't have, you know. Um, so it just depends, you know. I love it. Well, thanks, man. This has been a super generous uh, gift of your time. Yeah. Um, I And anything, I thank you. We want to thank Lance Mercer for his time and for trusting us to share his amazing story with you. The intro for this piece was written by PMA senior editor Jeff Bramus. This episode, including all music and sound design, was handcrafted by me, Matt Johnston, here at PMA headquarters in West Seattle, Washington. You can find the print version of our interview with Lance in the fourth issue of our print magazine, including a whole bunch of rare photos from Lance. It's a great issue if you can get one. You can support us by heading over to getthatpma.com to pick up some back issues, subscribe to the magazine, or grab some very limited merch that we put up there from time to time. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of the PMA Podcast. Take care.